Welcome to Publishing Gribble, the podcast that breaks the rules and helps you kickstart your career as a successful nonfiction author and entrepreneur. I'm your host, Melina Benson. Hello, friends. I hope you're all doing okay and finding your way back to reality here almost on the other side of COVID. Fingers crossed, my friends. Let's just agree. We are almost on the other side now. Okay, now, two of the most important tools in your toolbox when developing your personal brand are speaking and publishing a nonfiction book. And by the nature of my guests today, we'll cover both speaking, books and how to market yourself through speaking gigs. Out of all the impressive marketers I've ever met, my new buddies Michael Port and Andrew Davies are probably my favorites, or at least today. Each of them is on my top two list. I really enjoyed doing this interview. Michael and Andrew are the authors of the best-selling book, Referable Speaker, World-Class Keynote Speakers and Teachers on How to Build a Sustainable Speaking Career. Michael Port is New York Times and Wall Street Journal best-selling author of nine books, including the perennial bestsellers Book Yourself Solid and Steal the Show. After delivering thousands of paid speeches on the world's biggest stages, Michael and his wife Amy built Heroics Public Speaking Headquarters, a 10,000-square-foot performance training center, to develop and nurture the next generation of professional speakers, along with the CEOs and founders, best-selling authors, business owners, and people leading movements and advancing important courses. Andrew Davies is a best-selling author and internationally acclaimed keynote speaker. Before building and selling a thriving digital agency, a digital marketing agency, Andrew produced for NBC Today's show and worked for the Muppets in New York and wrote for Charles Kuralt. He has appeared in the New York Times, Forbes, the Wall Street Journal, and on NBC and the BBC. Davis has crafted documentary films and award-winning content for tiny startups and Fortune 500 brands. Wherever he goes, Andrew Davis puts his infectious enthusiasm and magnetic speaking style to good use teaching business leaders how to grow their business, transform their cities, and leave their legacy. You will learn that these two guys are also super fun. So, Michael and Andrew recently published their new book, The Referable Speaker, and when I saw how they promote the book, I knew I just had to reach out and invite them to share what they do. So today, friends, we are going to explore how to creatively use storytelling and video in book marketing and in a way so that people just can't stop watching. What you're going to hear today might be the most inspiring example of excellent book marketing that you've ever seen or heard of. In this interview, we talk about both book writing and book marketing, and specifically how the authors used the long-term video assets as their key marketing tool. You'll get a unique view into the process of writing and marketing the best-selling book, The Referable Speaker. 
And you'll also get an overall breakdown of Michael and Andrew's Genius Book Promotion Webinar. I hope that will inspire you to check it out on the blog post in which I break it down into details and provide a recipe that you can follow to creating your own promotional video. Let's dive in, shall we? Michael and Andrew, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I am so excited to have you on the show and when I saw you promoting your book with a webinar, I really wanted to have you on the show. So at first, just a little bit of background. What is your business story? How, how, did, you, uh, how did you end up writing this book together? <laughs> Andrew, you, you want to take that one? Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, Michael and I both, uh, you know, as professional speakers at some point uh, had been talking for a long time about, you know, how do you actually create a, a sustainable speaking business? And we both had different ideas and we thought, you know, wouldn't it be amazing if we could figure out the formula for building a sustainable business uh, around speaking, a sustainable business career uh, that was based uh, solely on professional keynote speaking. And, you know, we said, well, if we're going to do this, let's go on a journey to figure it out together. So we spent the better part of two years <laughs> trying to figure out if it was possible. And we knew either way we would publish a book. We'd publish a book that said, hey, there's no formula, but here's a bunch of things we learned. Or we'd publish a book that said, hey, here's the formula as far as we can discern it. Uh, and and here's what we've learned. So we, we feel like we did the latter. We, we came up with a formula that will help, I think, a lot of people uh, actually build a sustainable speaking career. And we're pretty proud of the result of the book. We, we by no means think it's perfect. And so anyone that's read it, if you have ideas or have a question, we want to hear the questions because it'll make the next version of the book even better. <laughs> This was my ninth book, if you count the multiple editions of other books. Uh, and uh, it's the first book that uh, I wrote with somebody that uh, that brought uh, such extensive uh, experience to the process. And so for me, it was tremendously um, exciting because we would debate and argue, uh, you know, at five o'clock in the morning. Uh, and ultimately, I think we wrote a better book together than we would have alone. And uh, and that was really, that was really, really meaningful. And I think uh, that the readers... Uh, agree. I think they're they're attesting to that fact. And and it sure looked like it has been fun. I've seen your book trailer. <laughs> I I love your sense of humor. You're fun. It's funny to watch all of this material. So uh, for the listeners, if if not for any other reason, for that, go watch the book trailer and this webinar. It's quite funny. So yeah, if you can't have fun doing this, I think you're doing something wrong. I mean, Michael's built a really successful business, you know, with 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 Amy Port at, at Heroic Public Speaking, really helping people uh, become better speakers and really understand the craft of public speaking. And I can attest to the fact that what they've built is fun. And if you're not, uh, you know, if, if we couldn't have fun writing the book and exploring these ideas, I think it probably wasn't worth doing. I always say a great business should be fun, challenging, and rewarding. And, and the same thing is true for what Andrew has built. I mean, Andrew has is 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 a domain expert, really a visionary in the field of marketing. And one of the things that you hear people say over and over again every time they see him speak is, "Oh my God, that was so much fun!" And I now see the world differently. 
I'm going to think differently about how I approach marketing. And as a result, um, they're going to act differently uh, with respect to how they approach marketing. And Andrew has a lot of fun doing it. You know, one of the things that we find uh, when we're working with speakers that's very, very similar to, I think, what, um, what we see when people start writing books is sometimes they get excited about the idea of doing it. They go, oh my God, wouldn't it be fun to be a speaker? Or wouldn't it be fun to be an author? And then they get into the process and they start beating themselves up. And, and they start to get frustrated with it. And, and all of a sudden, the thing that was supposed to be fun is now laborious uh, and, and, and difficult. And as a result, uh, either they don't finish or they produce something that's not really what they wanted to produce at the beginning. So it, it may seem simplistic to talk about how important uh, fun is uh, for the process of, of, of building something meaningful for an audience. Uh, and how important fun and play is to the creative process. But, um, but it really is absolutely essential. Uh, it's not always going to be easy, but, uh, but when Andrew and I worked on this book together, we had a lot of fun and we continue to have fun. And I think you can see that in the book. And I think you can see that in the, in the webinars that we do. And as you said, the trailer for the book that we produced. I, I, I for sure can see that. Uh, but you mentioned another thing also that you have uh, uh, that the focus on shifting the mindset or how people think, because that is very uh, key to this webinar presentation. I would like to dive more into and I kind of break it down in a minute. Uh, but first, I'd like to hear a little bit more about what was the book creation process, the writing process? What did that look like for you? Well, I, I'll, um, well, it I like Michael. It was the first time I'd ever collaborated with anyone on a book, so it was a little. I think we were both a little nervous going into it. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, not it took sure. us. It definitely took us about twice as long to do to write as we probably would have. It probably would have if we had done it by ourselves. <laughs> that's definitely true. But I think I think that's all for the better. You know, I think the process. Uh, we, we we essentially wrote an outline of the book kind of together. We worked in Google Docs so we could both be working on it at the same time. Uh, we we started writing the book um, and kind of gung-ho and excited about all the things we were going to explore and include. We did a bunch of interviews. You know, I would do some, Michael would do some. Uh, we'd come back and, you know, fill in the gaps wherever it came. And, and I can tell you that the first draft of the book, while it was exciting to have complete uh, and and send into our, you know, our editors, uh, we realized pretty quickly that the book was kind of uh, really went too deep, too far in a lot of areas. There were uh, better opportunities to tell more compelling stories and, and give some better examples. And, uh, you know, so the, the rewriting process was, was, you know, a big challenge. And I think the biggest challenge was probably for us to find one voice, you know, right. some people that early on read the book said, I can tell which chapter Michael wrote, and I can tell which chapter Andrew wrote. Exactly. And we really, we were convinced from the outset that this needs to feel like it comes from one mind uh, and you can really enjoy the book. So, you know, uh, that, I think from my perspective, it was, I learned a lot from Michael um, writing the book. And I think that's the biggest reward I could have asked for um, out of the book itself 
was, you know, really understanding Michael's perspective and working through, you know, trying to reconcile it with ideas I had and shaping both of our ideas to come up with something that felt like it was from one person, uh, the, the Michael Andrew head. Uh, and that, it was fun. It took, a, it did take a while for us to find that voice. Um, one of the things that helped was we essentially worked as editors for each other. And when we worked as editors for each other and, and did line editing of the different uh, sections that the other person wrote, we were able to infuse uh, each other's voices into those sections. But we also needed to figure out what our what role we were playing for the reader. That was critically important. And it's not something we addressed at the beginning. And I think if we addressed it at the beginning, we may have found that voice sooner, but we had a realization uh, at, you know, maybe the halfway point where we're, and we realized that, oh, we don't actually know what role we've decided to play for the reader. And once we figured out what that role was, it really came together. Uh, that's when I think the writing really um, found where, where we found our voice together as writers. Can I, I just wanted to add one last thing that I think is really amazing about writing a book with someone else that I'd never experienced before. And it's something that every author, even if you're writing alone, I think you can embrace or should embrace is um, I found it. I found the, the most rewarding piece of the puzzle um, having not only an accountability buddy, like a person who was like, Hey, well, you know, I will read that on Friday. If he said he was going to read that chapter on Friday, well, I needed to have something for him to read on Friday when he'd already put it in his diary and was planning on doing that. And I think that helped a lot, but I think second, it was having someone who really understood the ideas to bounce the ideas off. And even if you're working on your own, if you're an author by yourself, you need to try to find what we call in the book, a speaker buddy. So I'd call it a writer buddy, someone that you trust, that's honest with you, and that's willing to poke holes in your theory or your writing or your concept as you move forward. And I think if I was going to write another book, even on my own, uh, you know, I I want to put Michael at the top of that list to be my 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 writing buddy uh, and hold me accountable and poke some more holes. Um, but if it wasn't Michael, find someone. Yeah, that's really good advice. I was thinking. So you are both very used to, very experienced in in creating a structure for a keynote speak uh, talk or another kind of talk, could you draw on your experience from that when you created the structure for your book or did the structure kind of emerge along the way? Well, well I, yes. I mean, I think the answer is yes. Um, all, both of us have written a number of books as well, so we have experience in structuring books. Uh, one doesn't necessarily structure a keynote and a book in the same way. Uh, generally, a book is... A, a larger body of work. Uh, you know, one of the things we find when people write books and then develop the speech, uh, they often develop a speech uh, that uh, that is, well, let's put it this way. It, they have too much plane for not enough runway. <laughs> they, they overpack the speech. They try to put every single thing in the speech that's in the book. And it's often unrealistic uh, to be able to do so. We often encourage people to work on the speech first 
and then write the book. Because the speech gives you the opportunity to investigate the ideas, um, aerate the ideas, amplify the ideas. This is something that I learned from Andrew. Um, and then um, continue to refine those ideas. You get such immediate feedback from audiences when you are delivering a speech that you can very quickly adapt that material and improve it. And so if you use the, the speech development process uh, first to create the content and then take that content and work it into a book form, uh, often the book is better. Yeah. Now, it's not the only way to do it, and it's not the right way to do it, but we find it very effective. So what would you say? I mean, sorry. Oh, sorry. No, no Melina, I was just going to say that that's essentially the process we went through with this book because it did start as a speech. And uh, in fact, when, I, when I've delivered the speech at, at Heroic Public Speaking in the past at HPS, um, you know, Michael would just sit in the back and write down the list of questions that people had after the speech because that's the content for the book, right? Like in 45 minutes, we can only go this deep. Um, we can only touch these big ideas. But if you want answers to all those questions you're asking, we're going to have to answer those in the book. And, and so, it, you know, essentially we went through that process with the book. And, and I will say that I tried, and I think I tried to convince Michael very early on to let's just use the outline from the speech <laughs> to write the book. And we pretty quickly realized it wasn't going to work. Yeah. <laughs> so so he's, fact, he's dead on. You know, the, the webinar that we uh, delivered on, you know, about the book that you refer to, you know, people can see it on the referablespeaker.com. If you watch that webinar, you'll realize we share three of the 10 factors uh, that, uh, that a speaker needs to have in place in order to uh, become a referable speaker. We could not do all 10 factors in a, in a 55 minute uh, keynote presentation. It just, it would just be too much. Yeah. yeah. And also from a marketing point of view, it, it, it you shouldn't <laughs> either. Yeah, right. They it's too much. <laughs> Keep it simple. Yeah, exactly. Keep it high level. What would you, what would you say was the most difficult part of creating the book? Oh, <laughs> wow. I think the most difficult part, I, I mean, I'll speak for myself, Michael, and you can think about what it was for you. I think the most difficult part is finding the best stories to illustrate the points we're making. Um, one, of the, one of the things we realized very early on is that speakers are good at talking with other speakers about what speakers do in, the, in their business. But very few people, if any, that I know have ever talked to an event producer about their process to finding a great speaker. And so we, we struggled with this ourselves. We were like, what's the model? What are we going to write? What should we talk about? What do speakers really want? And finally, Michael was like, why don't we call you know, one of those event producers that's hired you five times and find out what their strategy is? So we called this amazing event producer. Her name's Carol. Um, and she, she, uh, we basically spent an hour on the phone with her. And, and she broke down for us this illuminating idea that was just 
brilliant and so simple for us to share. And, you know, we spend so much time on our own trying to answer this question by talking to other speakers when all we had to do was go ask the buyer what they wanted. And it felt like a real goldmine of inspiration and ideas and, and insight that we never would have got. And I think that was a turning point for us realizing that we need to make sure we find more uh, stories. We need to ask more questions of other people. I think right after that, we had a great interview with Judson Lapley um, about his speaking experience and illuminated a lot of stuff I never knew about him. He's a very popular uh, YouTube um, celebrity and, and was very successful, is very successful as a keynote speaker. So for me, it was finding and, and, and sourcing the right stories to work in the book. Yeah. I would say that the most challenging thing for me on this book was also the most exciting, the most stimulating, and the most rewarding. Because most of the books that I've written over the years, I've I've written with a with a from the from a place of knowing, meaning I I wrote the book based on intellectual property or content that I had already developed and then put into book form. What was different about this is that even though I've been teaching public speaking uh, for many, many years, uh, I approached this with a blank piece of paper and a beginner's mind. And so, so it's very challenging often to, to discover the answers while you're writing the book but it actually made for a better book and uh, and a more meaningful process. So I feel like I learned more about my work and myself and, um, and, and the industry through writing this book with Andrew uh, than I did in any of the previous books that I wrote. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. I, I, I teach how you can, if you have, I call it organized knowledge. <laughs> when it's, if you're already conveying the same message in another context, there are authors who can basically empty their head, put it into a book, and, and, and uh, after, there's a process for that, for sure. Uh, but then they can actually, they can speak it uh, and transcribe afterwards and, and publish quite quickly because they have said the same thing a hundred times in different contexts. It's just about having some, uh, of, of course, there's the need for editing afterwards, uh, but still some authors have all knowledge organized uh, to begin with and others are all on an adventure or a discovery journey to, to understand something in a better way. It starts more with a question than with an answer. Mm -hmm. Was that the case for you? Yeah, I would say, I mean, one of the central principles in the referable speaker is that, that you need to make this leap from expertville to visionary town. You need to kind of get out of the commodity marketplace where everybody's sharing tips and tricks and you have to ask a question Google can't answer. Um, and that'll send you on a journey that helps people solve a problem they have in a new way, something that you can really uncover and find. And I think the book is a real world implementation of that, even in the way Michael 
Michael just described. It was a quest we were going on and there were lots of pitfalls and twists and turns. You know, the math didn't add up and the fee factors didn't work and we'd, we'd re rewrite them and then we'd find a new one and have to go back and rewrite chapters. And I think it did make for a very enjoyable uh, uh, you know, quest on our own um, and made us really confident that we were sharing something that had never been shared before. So, I, you know, I urge anyone that's that's interested in writing a book or, you know, thinking about, uh, you know, keynote speaking or really trying to make a big transformation in their business when it comes to intellectual property to not look for an answer, but look for a journey to embark on. Um, and it starts by asking those questions that Google can't answer that, you know, really that, that puzzle other people um, and maybe didn't even realize it until they hear the problem restated in a new way and your potential solution to the problem. Yeah. So really honing on a, on having a, a novel message. Uh, uh, well, novel. yes. And I, I would suggest thinking about it a little bit differently because one of the things that, um, that, a, that an author may run into if they try to go into it thinking, oh, I want a novel message, is, um, is manufacturing or artificially creating something different, just trying to go, what's different? How can I be different? Uh, when And often uh, that just produces something that's different, but not necessarily actually helpful or what uh, your audience needs. Uh, and so experts uh, generally uh, approach their work uh, with solutions already formed. And visionaries generally approach their work uh, with a big question. Mm. And then they go on this quest to answer the question. They don't know the answer to the question when they start. Uh, and, I, and we didn't know the answer to the question uh, when we started this book, even though you know, I've been a professional speaker for almost 20 years. Andrew's been a professional speaker for, what, 12 years, 13 yeah. years now. Uh, so, you know, that's a fair amount of uh, time that we've been doing this, but we still didn't know the answer to, even though we built, you know, sustainable careers as referable speakers, we didn't actually know what the formula was. And so we had to figure it out. And one of the things I think you'll see, if you look at the reviews of the referable speaker on Amazon, you'll, you'll hear people say over and over and over again, things like, as I was reading this, I kept thinking, oh, that's what I'm supposed to know. Oh, wow. I never thought about it that way. I've never heard it, it presented that way. Um, and I think that, you know, if you read it and, you know, you've been in the speaking industry, I don't think, I don't think there's any book that addresses the, the, the you know, the, the question um, and offers a solution in the way that we do. Uh, and that was really special. We didn't want to just write something that uh, that any other expert in the field could write. Uh, and I think we, you know, we took a risk doing it, but I think it paid off. And even if nobody ever read the book, I really feel that it paid off because I learned a lot about myself and I learned a lot about uh, the industry. And as a result, I can bring that to my clients. Yes. And I think that's important too. You know, we're, this book is not a general audience book. We're, we're not going to uh, get on the New York Times bestseller list for the referable speaker because it's for a specific small audience. Um, and and again, even if even if so, this is I think this is important. Even if your book 
doesn't become a huge hit, but you approach it in the way that we've been discussing, it'll make you better at what you do. And that the work that you do for the book then translates uh, into the work you do for the people you serve. Uh, And that's a really important part of writing a book because it challenges you um, to get better at what you do. Oh, you're speaking my language. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Melina, I mean, I, you know, as a marketer that a lot of, a lot of business people think of the, the, uh, of the book as just like the best business card possible, right? Like it's, it gives me credibility instantly. And that's, and I think what Michael is expressing is a really valuable, um, uh, you know, insight into thinking about how you can use the book first as an unbelievable asset to your business for the clients and customers you already serve. And that's how we approach the book. You know, Michael and I had a lot of conversations about, hey, you know, even with speakers we know personally, you know, hey, if so-and-so reads this book, are they going to get something out of it? If so-and-so, who's very different type of speaker, very different type of business person, if they read this book, are they going to find it valuable? And we would challenge ourselves to make sure that these speakers who we interact with and know um, would, would find the book valuable because if we if we could help all of those people just the people we knew we know we'd help a lot of other people and so i think the you know coming at it with a a sense of humility and pride that you're going to go on a journey to find something no one else has uncovered and share it with the people who care enough to either pay you for a service or be part of your inner circle i think that in and of itself leaves leaves the legacy you hope to leave with a great book Um, and you know if it's commercially successful and it becomes a great business card, well, then awesome. Uh, but the, the first goal for us was make sure it makes an impact on the lives of the people we know we can touch. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I even think that that when you focus on helping those you already have in your business, they will pull in uh, the, the next crowd <laughs> for you. Yeah, that's right. It yeah. Like the, so why not why not have that as a focal point for, to begin with? So true. It's so true. I would really like to dive into this webinar. I just think I, it's just brilliant. I've never. I've, it's the best pre-recorded webinar I've ever seen. It's, wow. on, it's on your website. It's also on YouTube. Uh, hopefully, yes. it's from uh, your <laughs> embedded on your website from YouTube, so you get the Google ranking on it as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and and I want to say to you that I uh, started I started watching uh, the video because I felt. Maybe public speaking is that's that's something more many of my customers are interested in. Maybe I could include some uh, some ideas for them in terms of uh, their book marketing related to that. And it was kind of more more like a question than it was, <laughs> but very specific. And uh, even though I think you're actually in the beginning of the video, you're saying the word webinar still. I had seen maybe 15 minutes before I realized, oh, I'm in a webinar. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's, the best compliment we could receive, by the way. I'm so happy you said that. It's, just, it's fun. It's value-packed. And also the structure is just genius. You actually mention your book very subtle only. Uh, a few, I think, after quite a long time, you say the, pre- the referable speaker, 
And then at the end, only in the, within the last five minutes or so, you are actually yeah. promoting the book. And 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 I I didn't feel sold to at any point in time. I just need that book. <laughs> but since I'm across the pond from you, it's still on its way. <laughs> it's in one of those uh, 200 ships outside of the... Yes. <laughs> it's stuck in Rotterdam right now, I bet. <laughs> So I would I would love to um, to ask you what was the big idea behind the webinar? Well, the big I mean, for me, uh, the webinar is an important part of making sure we can share the most important knowledge that anyone in the you know that wants to be a keynote speaker could want to get out of the book, even if they didn't buy the book. The goal was, can I help get across in a very short amount of time, 45, 55 minutes, the, the key ideas that, that uh, you know, we really uncovered while researching this project and then writing the book. And the second thing was, you know, we wanted to create something that, that not just told people about the book, but showed them uh, what it takes to be a really high quality caliber keynote speaker in a world where a lot of things at the time, especially in the middle of COVID, had gone virtual. And so Michael and, and I, you know, both have careers that that uh, span television and film. And so we thought, let's just let's st let's start writing a script and uh, let's spend a couple of days at the at the old HPS headquarters in in uh, in Lambertville. Let's let's you know really shoot this. And put it together so that it feels more like a television show. And I'm so glad to hear, Melina, that you think it, it feels that way. Uh, you know, and we've got a lot of really great feedback from the webinar. And uh, and I think if if people spend a little bit more time thinking about how they can help and serve their potential audience for their business or their book or whatever they're selling by creating something that looks and feels different when it comes to a webinar, it, you, you'll be paid back in spades. People will see and feel that you're different. And that's what I think helps inspire them to go buy the book like you did. So I'm going to, in the show notes, which is also related to a blog post, I'm going to break it more down so that people can can uh, kind of analyze what you did there and model that for their own, uh, well, webinar in general, but for their book marketing. But one, Love of, it. one of the things that I noted was that uh, I see like five parts of it. It's okay. I just uh, walk through them. Then you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But I see that in the first part, you're debunking all the myths that would uh, keep people from pursuing their dream of becoming a keynote speaker. Then in the second part, you explain uh, how the industry actually works. Yeah. And then in the yeah, third right. part, you are calling out uh, your ideal clients, really. You're, you're expressing four times, types of speakers which makes me feel, oh, even though I, I don't look that, like Jay Bear yet, <laughs> uh, I, I, that's not my profile, there's still hope for me. So you're making it uh, uh, relevant for all uh, with the screen, really. And then in the fourth part, you are amplifying the imagined outcome. How much money can I make as a speaker? And uh, explaining how that works. And then in part five, you are, well, there's six part of, parts I see then, that in part five, then you are explaining the transformation that will make that possible. So at this very overall level, this structure could work for any successful book and for, for any product, really. <laughs> yeah. First of all, you get an A 
I mean, that was very, very well done. Nicely done. So, yes, absolutely. That structure could work uh, in many different mediums uh, for many different types of content. I think the thing that my assumption is the thing that you resonate with is the entertainment factor of the webinar. It really feels like a highly produced television program that's fun, funny, and uh, enlightening at the same time. And a lot of the credit for that goes to Andrew. You know, Andrew uh, spent uh, many years as a producer in uh, television, and and he has really honed his script writing skills uh, for this type of content. Uh, and then both of us, of course, are professional performers, so we're able to bring that that script to life. And so um, I wrote the script with Andrew, but generally what I would do is I would write a draft and then Andrew would come in and fix it. So, you know, he'd say, go work on this section. And I go, okay. And I would, I would work on it and, and I'd, be, I'd get a little nervous. Like, I don't know, you know, and I've written dozens of, of dozens of scripts uh, for the stage and, uh, you know, and nine books, but writing for the screen is a little bit different. And so I learned a lot about how to do that through the process and I think that, you know, one of the, you know, one of the factors that we outline in the book is the entertainment factor and your value will always increase if your entertainment factor increases. And so I think it's important for people to understand that even though the framework that you just outlined um, is a pretty standard framework for uh, teaching any kind of uh, idea, the way that we presented it is what makes it work. Mm. Yes. And you are very, uh, the whole presentation is in alignment with your messages. You're, you're walking the talk also. So yes, it's entertaining, but also I see, I see when you explain um, the expertise factor, uh, leaving Expertville, you mentioned it before, Andrew, leaving Expertville and move to Visionary Town. But I felt that's the expectation I now have for this book. This book mm. is going to change how I think and make me believe that I can become a keynote speaker if I yeah. want to. Absolutely. Yeah. So closing that yeah, I mean, I, from where they are to where they want to be uh, or, and, or embarking to embarking on the journey to where they want to be. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think good transformational content of any kind helps you do that. And, you know, I, I do love, uh, I'll just reiterate Michael's sentiment. I think you did an amazing breakdown of the, you know, the kind of outline of the strategy uh, for the referable speaker webinar. Um, and I think, I think you're right. And so is Michael, there is a great way to kind of help people understand what the journey will look like. Um, but, but it's so important that you remember that it's not about your expertise or your credibility that I think most uh, most people selling things like this try to focus on. They try to make sure that, you know, I can do this. You Here's my credentials. Look at all my happy clients. And yes, that, that stuff is important, but I think it's much more important to show instead of tell. And I think when we're thinking about webinars specifically, we need to think more like that. How can we show people what we're talking about instead of just tell them with PowerPoint slides and five tips and tricks and you know give them the confidence that they need to, to follow us? 
and so it was important for us that we could show as well, instead of just tell, um, you know, where we were going and where we could take you um, as the pers perspective viewer. So it's it's been fun. By the way, that that webinar we have been doing for lots of other organizations like national speaker organizations. Michael just did one on Monday with the, the, the Canadian version of the National Speaker Association. Um, and, you know, it's really fun to, to watch it with people. We do these kind of watch parties. So you get to see what their questions are and what they're talking about. Um, and for any author, for any speaker, being able to attend a watch party version of your speech is a great way to get inside the mind of your audience because they you can see what question do they have right there? What is the problem? Are they quiet for a while? Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Do they leave or are they just so concentrated? Um, and you can also see what they're distracted by. So we've learned a lot by sharing the webinar, aerating it, like Michael said before, with other people and hearing what the questions are, either for the next book or, you know, uh, or for additional content that we've been creating. Um, you know, uh, moving forward. So it's been really fun and rewarding. And if you think of the webinar as just a big piece of your kind of marketing plan uh, for anything, I think think of it as show, don't tell, and use it as a really good way to get clear about the questions people have about the project you're working on. And, and since this is a marketing podcast about book marketing, I should mention <laughs> that that webinar that we did for the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers and it was just one chapter. It wasn't the whole organization. Uh, the organizer afterwards sent me some screenshots of the Canadian Amazon uh, webpage for the book, noting that the book went from about 190,000 in its rank uh, to the top 300 of all books on Amazon and from uh, 93 in public speaking to number one in public speaking right after uh, the webinar. Wow. And yeah. you can see that everybody seemed to buy the book uh, and that, you know, and what did it take? It took, uh, I did 20 minutes of Q and a afterwards. Uh, and I watched, uh, them talk about the webinar while they were watching the pre-recorded version. So when it came to the Q and a, I, I was already primed with the kind of things that, uh, they were going to ask and they needed to know. And, uh, and it's very effective. So, you know, Andrew, when, when we were thinking about marketing this book, um, Andrew said, listen, I think we should do a really quiet launch. <laughs> I said, what, what's a quiet launch? I mean, you know, I, I, I've been a little bit like imposter syndrome. <laughs> well, no. Well, so, you know, I've been, I've been marketing books for years and I, I've been marketing books so that they'll get on the New York Times list and the Wall Street Journal list, big general audience books. And, uh, you know, and usually that's a massive, massive effort for months and months and months. And it's exhausting. And your whole team is exhausted by the end of it. And you can barely focus on anything else in the business. And so Andrew said, let's just do a quiet launch. And I said, Andrew, that's fantastic. What's a quiet <laughs> launch? He said, well, we're not going to do very much at all. And I was like, really? How are we going to sell the book? <laughs> And he said, we're going to get other people to sell the book for us. And I was like, oh, you mean like our methodology in the book itself? And he said, yeah. <laughs> like, that's brilliant. So we really did a very quiet launch. Uh, we only have done, we really did, we did just a few things. We created that webinar, which is people can watch for free on YouTube or on our website. 
Uh, and then we do these watch parties, uh, you know, with some of these organizations that are filled with uh, professional speakers. But, you know, and it took some work to do it. We took two days to shoot it. Uh, but that that's done. All that work is in the can. We front loaded that. And then we, you know, we'll show up and do some Q&A or, or not, or they'll just play it. And then, you know, people will buy books. It's, it's pretty straightforward. Um, then we also um, put, uh, we did something in the book that uh, is, has been very, very effective uh, and doesn't require any work from us uh, at this point. Andrew, why don't you tell them a little bit about what we did in the book with the yeah. Speaker Buddy campaign? Yeah, so 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 in the book, and we even talked about it before, Melina. We talked about this idea of a speaker buddy. We realized in talking to lots of speakers, and I'm sure you know this is talking to lots of writers, that having a partner that's you know understands the struggle is speaking the same language. Those kind of partnerships can be really fruitful. And we thought, is there a way to help people speak the same language um, and get more out of this book? And so we actually added a special chapter in the book that's that invites readers of the paperback book to invite any speaker buddy they want to get a free ebook copy of the book anywhere in the world and so what happens we tend we tend to get three different types of emails um you know sent out for those one it's like hey here's the book i was telling you about it's changing my entire perspective on the speaking business and you and i should chat about it uh, more now that you have a copy let me know when you've read it and then and they send the book, you know, electronically, it gets delivered to that person. Um, but the second type is, um, hey, I'm halfway through this book, which is about where that chapter is. And it's changing my entire perspective. I know I didn't uh, warn you, but this book is coming. You've got to read it. I can't wait to talk about it. Um, and the third type of, of, of uh, you know, inquiry or, or speaker buddy that people seem to be inviting is, is even a speaker they don't seem to know that well. It'll be like, hey, I really respect what you do. I think you're amazing at what you do. I really think this book might be useful to you. Um, it's been uh, transformative for me, and I'd love to talk about it sometime. So, you know, it's really nice to see people using the Speaker Buddy book. But to Michael's point, it's a great little marketing tool. Not only is it helping, I think, speakers, but it's obviously helping us get the word of the book around. Um, and, you, you know, it, I, I was just at an event in early September uh, where I spoke, um, and it's an event that I've been going to for 11 years. I'm a big part of the community there. And uh, a lot of people that I knew pretty well didn't even know I had written this book with Michael. And what they did hear, though, was from other people at the event. So they went to see someone speak. They saw them speak, said, that was fantastic. Like, you've improved a lot. I can't believe your speech is so good. And they said, what changed? And they said, we read this book called The Referable Speaker by Andrew Davis and Michael Port. And my, even my friends were like, I didn't know you wrote this book. And I'm finding out it from other people. But it's the quiet launch has been a really fun strategy. You know, will, will it work long term? We'll see. You know, I mean, the book's been out since June. So I think in a year, we'll know how well it's working. So far, it's nice to see that it's got a steady flow of people sharing the book, telling others about it, and, and certainly buying more books. Yeah. We just didn't want to yell at people that they should go get no. this book. That's not the voice that we take in the book. That's not who we are. And ultimately, we wanted the book to stand on its own so that if it was really transformational for people, they would share it and tell other people about it. And so it feels kind of like you're on the inside when you read it because you found out about it from somebody else and now you're going to tell somebody else about it. 
And, mm. and we, you know, again, you know, maybe it's because, you know, we have, um, established ourselves in, in our, in our, in our industry, in our work. And so we didn't need this book, uh, to pay our mortgage. And so we were willing to take the risk, uh, of, well, let's just see if it is good enough to stand on its own. Is it good enough, uh, that it will spread on its own? And so far, it looks like that's the case. And I think it's really fun that people didn't realize Andrew had come out with this book. Uh, and they were a little um, even maybe taken aback and immediately went and bought the book. So uh, so that's that's how we've been. You know, that's what we've been doing. And that's really it. I mean, we haven't really done too much else, have we, Andrew? That's it. So no, that's, that's about it. So it's the referable book. <laughs> That's the whole point. It yes. felt like an oxymoron. Like, I mean, I felt like we wouldn't have been doing the message much justice if we came out with this splashy big campaign. Now, I will tell you this. I believe in my heart that if Michael and I did not think the book was that good, we might have had to come out with a big splashy pre-sale campaign and like lots of and promotional giveaways and hats and t-shirts and stuff. Uh, but, you know, by the end, both of us, I think, believe so wholeheartedly in the message behind the book that we knew the book needs to do the work. Um, and, it, and, you know, we, we certainly hope it does. I hope it's a book that lasts for a very, very long time and that people are constantly referring to. And, and like I said at the beginning, I don't think this is the last version of the book either because we've already got great questions from the audience that we probably should have answered. We just, we didn't know they were questions. Um, and we've also found some, you know, new kind of insight and ideas to add to the next version of the book. Um, and and we're, we are inviting people, by the way, that have read the book to reach out with those ideas and questions. Um, and, you know, so far we just get a lot of, hey, this has changed my perspective, which is awesome. But at some point, somebody's going to be like, there's a problem. I ran, in, I've, I've, I've been using the prescription, the form, and, you know, I've run into an issue that I can't seem to solve. Those are the questions we can't wait to get. So, so my last question is going to be, if anything, what would you have done differently knowing what you know now? Wow. Um, I, I, well, I'll t- I, I have one thing that I think uh, we've, we've touched briefly on already in the podcast, Melina, but the first thing I think I'd do if I was going to start this process with Michael over again would be to hone in very quickly on exactly the, the kind of role we want to play for the audience. Because there are lots of writers, coaches, and friends that have always told me, you know, make sure you understand the audience and like understand their problem. And it's very audience focused, which I, which is very, very helpful. And Michael and I knew that we, we, we did that in the very beginning, but we never asked what role are we supposed to play for that audience. And there was so much clarity around that simple question um, and coming together on a clear vision for the audience, because it wasn't, it's not like we just sat down and said, oh yeah, this is the, what the role we want to play. Michael and I chatted for days about, well, what is that role? Like, you know, is it, are we going to give them the practical tips and tricks and all the little formulas they need, which I thought we, we would have to give them. And, you know, we talked about that and Michael would say, well, you know, but what about the, the speaker who's already making $90,000 a year and just needs some help getting over the hundred K hump. They're not going to find that interest. You 
that's a good point. What role would we play for that person? And so that's when we came to a real clear understanding of what role are we playing for the audience we already understand. And I, I hope everybody uh, you know, can learn from that. But I, I, if I was going to write a book tomorrow, I, I'd ask myself the exact same question. Yeah. The, the, uh, my answer is identical to that. And the irony is when I work with my speakers, one of the first things I, I address is what role are you playing for the audience? And Andrew does that <laughs> with his speeches too. He knows that. So we just missed it. it. You know, part of it is we missed it, be I think, because of our excitement uh, in working together. I mean, when Andrew and I talk to it's we have to be very restrained when we do dual interviews because when we talk with each other, we're like, you know, we have, uh, we'll have like an hour meeting set in the first 30 minutes. We're just like, blah, 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 blah. all right, now let's get to it. I'm very so, surprised about that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so it's just, I, I mentioned that because it's very common that you're going to miss something that you already know how to do when you're working on any creative project and then you got to go back and, and, uh, and fix it and address it. And fortunately we figured that out before we published it. And one of the reasons we figured it out before we published it is because we had a lot of people read it, uh, at various stages. And, you know, one of the people who really gave us a hard time about it was our friend, Phil Jones. Yeah. Phil Jones, uh, said, what's the voice? Uh, I don't know what the voice is here. And, and we we're like, oh, shoot, we got to go back and do it again, you know, and yeah. then we, you know, put on our big boy pants and we did it. So uh, so I think you, you need that feedback as much as possible uh, throughout that process from people that you trust and really do know what they're doing. Yes. And I will I will just add Phil Jones is a great guy. But, uh, and like. The irony is, I think at the point we we sent Phil the book, I think we actually thought the book had a great voice. Yes, so we had did. to call Phil and say, like, Phil, what do you mean? Uh, and we had a long conversation with Phil that helped us get to the point at which we needed to step back and ask ourselves that crucial question, like, what role do we want to play for our audience? So th this has been really fun, though, Melina. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. So I'm, I'm going to let you end this episode by promoting your book. <laughs> well, the, okay. The, uh, I'll give, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> if you, if you are interested in building a sustainable speaking career, uh, you should check out the referable speaker. You can head to referablespeaker.com. You can watch the webinar we've been talking about and you'll be able to decide there if it's for you. And we hope you enjoy the webinar. Thank you so much, Guy. This has, of course, been fun <laughs> and super valuable. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you for having us. Okay, we couldn't go into all the details in this episode. Please, if you're currently writing a book, ready to launch a book, or you're looking to relaunch or revive your book marketing, go check out the blog post where I go into much more detail. 99% of all failed books do so because of insufficient marketing. After the actual launch, the author is quite often exhausted and lack energy for continued promotion. Or the marketing plan consists of only launch-related promotion. 
As you hear on this podcast, these authors use a completely different strategy, long-term video assets. Videos that can live forever and be used in many different ways once you've created them. The authors actually have created two amazing videos and they are an absolute must-sees for you if you're looking to add a long-term component to your book marketing plan. A three-minute book trailer video that captivates the readers and makes them go check out the book immediately. You can model this for your own book marketing and I'm breaking the structure down for you in the blog post. And the absolutely genius 55-minute pre-recorded webinar that will make hordes of high-quality leads stumble over each other to get the book and rank up your book significantly on Amazon. You can watch both of them on the book's website, thereferablespeaker.com, then head over to the blog at malenebenson.com forward slash blog and use my breakdowns of the videos to model your own. I break down both the three-minute book trailer and the 55-minute evergreen book webinar. Now, let me know what you think of this. I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now.